Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The divisional round is done. Shocks, comebacks, sacks, fumbles, beer getting wasted. The weekend had it all. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. To be honest, I thought the season had finished, but apparently it hadn't. Unlike wildcard weekend, things were mostly true to form. We'll be looking back at some of the key talking points from Saturday and Sunday. Once again, we'll be sharing your nominations for what is our third last weekly awards of the 2019 season. It's then on to our Championship Sunday as we look ahead to the action at our live event at the Golf Tavern in Edinburgh. And as ever, we'll wrap up with all the latest news. Right, Paul. So we start as we always do. We look back the way. Um, we've got the divisional games done and dusted. As you said at the top there, things were slightly more true to form with the exceptions of one shock. Um, let's go through them in order uh, and let's start with the best one, clearly, as the San Francisco 49ers overcame the Minnesota Vikings in the end quite convincingly 27-10 side note on this one 147 total yards allowed it's the fewest in a playoff game in the Super Bowl era you know a bit embarrassed by it you know I mean picking on the poor Vikings like that I mean (laughs) I I mean to be honest you know I don't know who the Vikings are I don't know who they beat to get there or anything like that you know (laughs) Answer. I mean, honestly, it's the kind of game, and you and you'll be able to answer this. Kind of game as a fan that you were fairly relaxed about because I didn't think the Vikings really caused you too many problems. I never take anything out of the first couple of drives because things change so quickly, as we'll talk about Texans Chiefs. But as a fan, what did you make of it? So obviously, it started really well. Was really happy to begin with, and was happy, but. As a fan, I'm pretty negative anyway, and anyone that's listened to this podcast has heard me bet against the Niners all season long. Uh, there's still a big part of me is pinching myself because I can't quite believe this team is where it's at. Uh, it really is quite something. Uh, it's massively impressive that they're continuing to do it. Little things along the way, there was a moment where uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looked as though he'd sort of limped over on his ankle, a little bit worried about that. There was obviously was interception. That's not perfect, Um I I still think there was maybe a couple of times where Jimmy didn't look quite on form. They they managed to get to him a couple of times, which was quite important as well. But it took us a while to get to Kirk Cousins, I thought. Eventually, ended up with six sacks. But that, you know, you get more of that as the game goes on and things get a little bit more desperate. I think the big thing, the, the reason that we managed to make it as convincing was stopping the run game. And we found a way to stop Dalvin Cook and restrict him to 18 yards over nine carries. Two, an average of two carries, uh, two yards per carry, sorry. That's impressive. That's where the 49ers have been really good. I thought it was right to take Witherspoon out of the game. He clearly got burned on Stephon Diggs and they were targeting that area. On the flip of that, you saw Richard Sherman with his um, interesting... Uh, press conference, I think is the word that I would look for in that. The one thing I would say with Richard Sherman is he's still the same Richard Sherman that played for Seattle. He's still the edgy guy that likes to stick it to people. And for me, I don't think he needs to. I don't think he needs to prove anybody wrong. He doesn't need to do it with his mouth, for sure. He does it on the park, and he does it by being the number one cornerback. He is, and we talked about it in our team of the decade, he's our number one cornerback over the last 10 years. Nobody's questioning that. But when you're at the top, he's right. People are always looking to bring you down and looking for ways to knock you off your peg. 
that's a side effect of being at the top. I think he needs to just focus in on that. But fine, if he's going to use that to, to galvanize himself and prove the doubters wrong again. But obviously, a big interception for him. Really good play. On the run game, obviously, Raheem Mostert has been really, really good. But actually, Tevin Coleman came into his own 105 yards and a couple of touchdowns. It's just a team that's got... It's got a load of... It's actually quite Patriot-like on offense. There are no clear standout stars for me, with the exception, of, I would say, of George Kittle. There's a bunch of players who are capable, though, and who are dangerous. And much like the Patriots did, they managed to make them dangerous. Little moves on the line that just make the defense move in a different way, which creates the opportunities for the offensive line to create the gaps. It worked really effectively, and ultimately the Niners cruised. But negative ninny that I am, it was about five minutes to go before I truly relaxed and went, right, uh, I can enjoy this now. I have to say that Richard Sherman, I've got, I've got a new uh, nickname for him, uh, Terror with a Twist. What right. do you think about that? Yeah, if the, what's the twist though? Well, twat, Terror oh, no. with a <laughs> oh, Twist. Right. <laughs> Didn't pick up on that at all. Right, yes. And See, it's subtlety on the NFL Scotland podcast. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to be a hypocrite because it's that post-match chat was everything I didn't like about him when he was at Seattle. And so I'm like, I, you don't need to do it. I, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think it needs to be said. You do your talking on the park. He's clearly frustrated. He feels that everyone's up against him. But that's what happens when you're good at your sport. People are always looking to shoot you down. We'll, we'll come on to this, but just look at Lamar Jackson and all the people that are suddenly shooting for him, the MVP of the, the 2019 season. Um, well, well let's, let's, let's jump to that, Cameron, because okay. that is utterly utterly farcical you know everybody coming out saying you know what in the nfl you just can't win with a quarterback like that they were on a 12 game now if we were on the you know the video printer on a saturday afternoon it would actually write the word 12 you know to say (laughs) emphasize 12 game winning streak um the the best scottishism because we like because it's an nfl scotland podcast and if we do have folk who are listening uh outside of scotland the phrase is geese peace which is give us a rest we don't need to hear this this is just nonsense now i'm all for saying he didn't play particularly well i'm all for saying that i thought some of their game planning was particularly poor i'll also say i was very impressed with tennessee who you know I tipped at the start of the season, decided to bail on them because they were annoying me intensely, and now coming back to say, look, I did tell you at the start of the season they'd be very good. Um, so that's how it is. It was it was just utterly bizarre that people are jumping all over David. This happens more often than people like it. You have a great regular season and bang in your first game of the postseason for a variety of reasons – you just get absolutely emptied. As a Saints fan, I can understand that. I've seen it before. I just thought it was a bit heavy and over the top, the reaction that's come. Yeah, totally agree with you on that one. It's over the top and it isn't necessary because he's clearly quality. Now, yes, he does rely heavily on the run and there's perhaps some questions about his throwing capabilities, what, what have you. 
But if you look at the step up that he took from year one to year two, it's absolutely unreal. And it was not all down to him. There was drops from his colleagues. There was uh, chances where they went on it in fourth and one, where the Titans stopped them. That's on the Titans and some brilliant defensive play. They came up against a Titans team that had just gone to New England and beaten the Patriots. That is a team full of confidence, a team that hammered them on the ground as they've done for loads of people. This was not all on Lamar Jackson. And I think that it's so easy to just turn on a player because, you know, obviously last year in that game against the Chargers, he was so out his depth. Um, and they destroyed him. They absolutely destroyed him. He looked like a player that didn't have any kind of hope um, or idea about how he could get out of his situation. And if you look at his, you know, you look at his season stats, and it's just absolutely unreal. You know, the, the performance that he's had over the year. Now, we go back last year and we were talking about Mahomes and his 50 touchdowns. This year, it was Lamar Jackson that led on touchdowns with 36. You know, Jameis Winston for his great season, 33. Russell Wilson, 31. Dak Prescott, 30. Um, Drew Brees got 27. Drew Brees had a quarterback rating of 116.3. Lamar Jackson's was 113.3. It's And then there's nobody even close to that. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, 117.5. So actually, Ryan Tannehill is the form quarterback at the moment. So there's so much of this, is, and you're right, just the gears piece from this nonsense. He's had one bad game after they've had a week off where a couple of things just didn't fall in their favour. If those two four and ones come in, I think that the, the Ravens are into the next round. And I think that it's just, yeah, it, it, it's over the top. Um, it's a little bit unnecessary. And it also takes away from the Titans, who were tremendous, who were absolutely tremendous. To a man, they did everything that needed to do. Derek Henry, um, I'm going to come on to this in a little bit. I'll come back to him. But Tannehill, the, the defense, they all did what they needed to do. Um, and that, that was important. They all turned up. Uh, they're on the road. And they went and got an amazing win. They, they are a team that are just playing at the right time, at the right place. Now, I think it was the broadcasting, I and I go, may have mentioned this, but... They they beat the Texans, divisional winners. They beat the Patriots, divisional winners. They beat the Ravens, divisional winners. Yeah. And now they play the Chiefs, who are the other divisional winners. There would not be, and that's in the last two weeks. Obviously, the Texans was the to end the regular season. But if you are going to go through four divisional winners to reach the Super Bowl, then I'll tell you what you deserve to be there and they sure as hell deserve to be there Derek Henry nice wee touchdown pass as well just to be cheeky I love the little plays in playoff football that you don't normally see this is where the little tricks and the little flicks start to come out and I thought that was a thing of beauty it really was I thought that, you know, if you look at the numbers as well, Lamar Jackson did everything for his team. 143 yards on the ground, 365 yards through the air, one touchdown, two interceptions. That's not a great look. Obviously, more interceptions than any other quarterback that threw at the weekend, which is something that, fine, you want to take go into that. But again, that comes down to the Titans playing particularly well. You look at the performance of Kirk Cousins, 172 yards um, and, you know, one touchdown. One interception, six sacks. Passer rating of 84.3. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't do particularly great. 131 yards through the air, 74.7. Um, 
and I, I don't think for a second that if the Niners lost, you'd be, see Jimmy Garoppolo getting the same thing in the neck. You would be hearing about the Niners made it as far as they could do under the team. They came up against the Minnesota Vikings, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I think that Lamar Jackson is a special case because there seems to, to still be this theme or this thread of people that still almost want him to fail. And I yeah. think that you can forget the project stuff. You can forget it all. He is a legitimately brilliant quarterback. That fine. We don't see a lot of these types of quarterbacks making it to the Super Bowl. There's a the thing that Osi Omenura is sharing that he talked about way back in October and talking about the fact that he's a one-read-then-run type quarterback. And fine. Do you know what? He does tend to run. It's because he's damn good at it. And the amount of times that you saw him ducking in and out of players, little, like you said, little moves that you just see and you're like, wow, that tiny little flick of the hips and he's completely missed his man. Or not he's missed his man. He's made his man miss because he's managed to get away and get the yards. There's not a lot of receiver talent in Baltimore. Mark Ingram being injured clearly was a contributing factor in this. Um, Mark Andrews being slightly injured obviously was a contributing factor in this. They were not 100% fit. Uh, and But like I say, I think for me, the story is about how great Tennessee are. Tennessee are brilliant, absolutely brilliant at the moment, an absolute joy to watch. And uh, we tweeted about this, but, you know, so often we talk about, you know, and you highlighted this as well, you couldn't make it up. Well, you could make it up, and it's a Hollywood ending. And is there any more Hollywood ending than Ryan Tannehill going and winning a Super Bowl in Miami? That would be absolutely unbelievable. It, it really would, but you could make it up. You could. I mean, the you could. I just did. Because, I just did. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the Titans overcame the league's top-ranking scoring defense, the Patriots, and offense Ravens in successive weeks. The two other playoff teams to have done that, the 88-49ers, the 2004 Patriots, both won the Super Bowl. The Titans were, I mean, the thing from that game, the Titans were outgained by over 225, 230 yards, something like that. Uh, the biggest deficit for a winning team in postseason history. I mean, the Tennessee have got, you know, real fight, real talent, great defending on the fourth and one. I mean, sometimes fourth and one just looks so easy, easy doesn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, the way that some teams get it, you think, but... Just sometimes you really feel, um, you know, that a defense was ready. And I have to admit, I, I watched some of the games. I listened to an awful lot more. Um, I genuinely thought the Titans were going to stop them. It just had that feel about it. Um, and sometimes you get a, a feel. But, you know, Lamar Jackson, basically on the 1st of February, he'll have already cleared a space. He's getting a big trophy that says league MVP. And you know what? He deserves it. So, I, you know, I don't think we need to argue or discuss any more about that. I'd, I'd like to move us on to the Chief Texans. Wait, before you do, I need to Go discuss on one thing. One thing. On. Derek Henry. Is he a better Taysom Hill than Taysom Hill? With that uh, lovely little throw-in touchdown. I mean, fine, it was only three yards, but what a touchdown. 118.8 passer rating on the weekend. Only Mahomes did better on passer rating. Um, you know, 195 yards on the round, uh, on the round, on the ground. Is Taysom Hill out? Is the new Swiss Army knife Derek Henry? We're going to obviously this. This won't make the actual broadcast of the podcast because that's ridiculous. <laughs> Off you go. They've taken away my team out of the playoffs, and now you're trying to take away my Taysom Hill. Jeez. Just kick oh. you while you're down. 
kick you Thanks very done. much, yes. I'll, I'll just go and crouch in the fetal position once more. Well, you can move on to the Chiefs now. There you go. <laughs> what did I tweet out early, early doors? Just basically say, remember, I, I mean, it wasn't a dig at, uh, well, it was a dig at Atlanta. Remember the the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, that these score lines, 28-3 happened in the Super Bowl. To not be out of the first quarter and be and to be twenty points down, twenty one points down, not a concern for me. Not when you're at Arrowhead and Pat Mahomes is playing. Now I'm not trying to claim I'm some big guru who thought you would go on sort of seven consecutive scoring drives uh, for touchdowns or whatever, but I, I did warn people to say, look, this is not over. This is not a game. Now even if Bill O'Brien's fake punt. Uh, had have come off, I still wouldn't have said that the Texans were home and dry. Dumb call as it was, I wouldn't have made it. I don't think there was anything particularly brave about it. I thought it was dumb, but I don't think it cost them the game. I mean, their inability um, to actually try and stop anything. You know, I mean, for sale, one Texan secondary, uh, you know, very little mileage on the clock because they just got done. Absolutely. They were shockingly bad. Uh, they, they didn't show. Up. They didn't show up. Um, and again, it's a it's a harsh one on Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson did turn up. He yes. had the most yards of the weekend, so he had more yards than Mahomes. He obviously had two touchdowns to Mahomes five. He got sacked four times. He didn't throw an interception. He played particularly. I thought he played particularly well. It was an absolute flying out the trap start. And like you, uh, I was like, right, this is no way over. It's interesting that the Chiefs are the first team in NFL history to trail by 24 points in the first half and still lead at halftime. Uh, no team will beat that, I don't think. That's... I don't I don't think so either, but also, I mean, that's a great stat. They're the first team ever to trail a playoff game by at least 20 points and win it yeah. by at least 20. It's stunning stuff. And... This is why we love the NFL is because you get games like that that were utterly stunning. I mean, the Texans offense, I mean, how do you keep your head in a game when you see what's happening to your defense? You know, the, the defensive coordinator must have just been going, this has worked for most of the year. What's going on? Yeah. But Andy Reid unleashed the dogs basically and said, right, let's go for it. And as soon as they realised that that secondary was not picking men up, I thought the, I thought they screened well. I thought they, you know, the route running was terrific, and and Mahomes was just dinking it all over the place. It, it was, unless you're a Texans fan, a, a thing of beauty, and I, and it was a surprise. And the Texans remain the only uh, franchise of the current thirty-two now never to have played in a championship game. To be fair, you know, they're less than twenty years old, but they must have thought they had a great chance. But it was absolutely incredible. It really was. It was a, an absolute masterclass. And actually, the game in the second half was a bit of a dead rubber. Um, it just was Mahomes and it was Kelsey just marching down the field continuously. And the Texans just not being able to get things going to the state they needed to. Now, you look at a couple of the things. You look at not going for it on fourth and one when they were down towards the 30-yard the line and went for a field goal to make it 24 points. Then you look at going for the fake punt and that costing them. And fine, 
couple of decisions there, but that wasn't that was not the reason that this game swung in the way it did. It swung the way it did because Pat Mahomes stepped the hell up and showed exactly why people were you know talking about him as much as they were last year. He was the MVP last year, and he showed why he was the MVP last year. It was brilliant. Five touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, no sacks, no fumbles, 134.6 passer rating. Absolutely phenomenal. I thought the the thing that made me laugh the most, and it made me laugh, I enjoyed from social media, was with, I think, 1 minute 54 on the clock, there was a message displayed inside uh, Arrowhead Stadium that said, Chiefs fans, we are sorry to report, but due to your support and the Chiefs continually finding the end zone, we have ran out of touchdown fireworks. Please direct all of your complaints to your nearest fans something booth i think it is fans first booth yeah that's it um and i thought that was brilliant i thought the footage of the mascot hitting his head off the door um when it's 24 nil and the mascot's behind the scenes and he's hitting his head off the door like as if in frustration and then you see him dancing around the field the, it was brilliant as an as an event, it was absolutely superb. We put out a tweet saying that, you know, we can't quite believe that there's people who choose to watch a TV show with a bunch of people they've never heard of, mostly vacuous, out on holiday, uh, and they choose to watch that over uh, what's probably one of the greatest, well, this, I'm not, it's not one of the greatest, if you're a Chiefs fan, it is, but one of the best comeback wins ever. Um, one of the most entertaining playoff games in a while and certainly compared to the two games on the Saturday it was way more entertaining because the Texans were very much in that very much ahead uh, and it was a master it was just it was brilliant absolutely brilliant you got to worry you got to think the Chiefs go all the way now haven't been in a Super Bowl since 1969 and they've got to be the favourites now by a, a considerable margin Tennessee are going for four out of four in terms of divisional winners. Um, I, I just, I think, it, I think it's quite incredible. Now, I, 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 interestingly, but but you made the point. Actually, by the end of the game, you knew that the Chiefs were going to win it pretty much. You know, by most of the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I went on to the radio um, to listen to that game, and what surprised me. Um, and it, it, to me, it, I, I was quite amused by it for such a wonderful game. Uh, Kevin Kugler, Trent Green were, were calling the game. It was actually quite anticlimactical from a broadcasting point of view because it was over yeah. with so long to go. Um, but it had almost everything that you wanted in a game. That then set me up. Now, I didn't see Seattle against Green Bay, and I was torn on this one. A big Aaron Rodgers fan, but the thought of the Seahawks getting through to beat the 49ers next weekend was just too delicious um, to think about. Uh, but, you know, credit to Green Bay. Uh, Kevin Harlan and James Lofton called this one. Now, I don't know why Brian Greasy was not involved with Westwood One this weekend as he was last weekend. I'm not quite sure why that was, because I liked him with Kevin Harlan. But Kevin Harlan and James Lofton called the game you know, pretty well. The game was on Fox, so most people would have heard Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. But what did you make of the game? So I watched it the, the next day. I didn't watch it live. Yeah, there's been some stuff on social media. There's some ball bag who's been giving people abuse um, for not staying up and watching their team in the playoffs. Sorry, mate, but some of us have got 
proper work to do. So do you know what? We don't all get the chance to sit and watch it when it's live. That's a little special special message for him. I'm sure he won't be listening, but I don't really care. The I sat and watched it on the Monday morning on the way into work, and the Packers came out flying. They absolutely came out flying. And at first, for me, it felt like the Seahawks weren't utilizing Russell Wilson right at all to begin with. He wasn't running around. And as the game went on, he got much more mobile. And when he did that, they were much more dangerous. I don't know why that happened. I don't know whether it was the temperature, whether it was something to do with a pass rush, whatever. But it felt like the Packers were getting to Russell Wilson. As the game went on, he totally got into it. And then they started to fight back. Now, there's a controversy at the end of this. And I'm going to have to admit this, that, you know what, quite often, you know, the luckiest team in football as I call them, got a little bit unlucky with the call where Devontae Adams was given a first down pretty late in the game. And actually, when you look at the replays, you got a question where that was. The ref, I think they reviewed it, um, and then the refs came back and basically stood with the call. One of those ones where it's probably too hard to reverse it. But that was a, you know, that could have been a really interesting one if the Seahawks had got the ball back. If they had, you know how I feel about them, I reckon they probably would have gone on and won it. But, well, there's there's a technical term for that call, and it was called free cheese for life. Yes. <laughs> I'm blaming so, the cold weather. I don't think the refs could fully see. I think that there was some vision impairment going on there. I think that that, that yellow line was frozen. Uh, you know, someone put it on the pitch. It froze. They took that into consideration. I think that there's a lot going on there that we need to consider. We need to give them a break, these referees. I think they've had a hard time, and I think they're doing a stand-up stellar job. So... Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for a referee's defence in the NFL, you're looking in the wrong direction here, mate. I mean, I've, I've, I, I was in Bordeaux at the weekend and I watched the try again given against Edinburgh. I'm still convinced it wasn't a try. So replay is not always the answer. And sometimes you see what you, what you want to see out of it. Russell Wilson, who finished his college career at Wisconsin, 0-4 at Lambeau Field, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, you know the answer to this. Which player has got more... Super Bowl rings and starts in the playoffs? Oh, I don't know the answer to that one. A kicker? No, your quarterback. Oh, of course, of course he will. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's okay, got two enough. Super Bowl rings, and yet one he's playoff. only one playoff game. It's quite incredible, that, isn't Good it? Point. I mean, okay, he was involved in the others, but actually, as far as taking to the field of play was concerned, I thought that was quite a good... give me a pretty big lead on that one, telling me that I would know it, to be fair. That's just a... I'm putting that down to it being a Tuesday, and I'm frozen, so... Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just getting you back for Taysom Hill. Uh, so, there you go. I think, it, you know... Aaron Rodgers has come through. He's the only of the remaining quarterbacks to have played in a Super Bowl. Now, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, if you remember when he was drafted, they thought the 49ers might draft him. And yep. I think he was actually half expecting to be drafted by them um, and then went to Green Bay. So, you know, there's all talk. Well, you know, there's a wee chip on the shoulder and all that. That is utter nonsense. I mean, if somebody was to honk his horn Aaron Rodgers crossing a street because he's come out of a parked car. Aaron Rodgers would have his chip on his shoulder about it. He's that kind of guy. So, you know, I wouldn't worry about that. He just gets motivated because he wants to win football games. Um, and I, I think it's a terrific matchup, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it definitely is. I, mean, I think both games are fascinating. Uh, and we'll, we'll we'll come on to the, those games in a minute. We'll come on to our awards. But really interesting as well that no matter what comes now, 
we've got uh, a Super Bowl that's made up of something slightly different and something slightly new. Now, not completely. From the NFC side of things, obviously, it wasn't that long ago that the Niners were in it. Uh, You go back to February 2012. You go back then to... Sorry, not February 2012. uh, February 2013. Uh, You go back to February 2011, and the Packers beat the Steelers. The, The Niners lost theirs to the Ravens. You need to go back a bit further than that if you want to get anyone else. And I think the last time that the Titans were there were at the turn of the millennium in 2000. Uh, and then we've already highlighted on the fact that uh, for the Chiefs, you've got to go back to 1969. So it's going to be a slightly different look to the Super Bowl this year. And that is brilliant. You know, if you're a new fan, if you've come into it more recently, so if you're a, if you're a new fan or you support the Seattle Seahawks, you probably weren't watching football before 2013, and therefore, you you know, you get to see uh, different teams in the Super Bowl this year. There's no New England Patriots. There's no Denver Broncos. There's no anybody that's been in there recently. So that, for me, is a, it's a fresh matchup uh, and something to look forward to. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good fun. Don't see that any any issues. It is what it is, and I don't have a horse in the race. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I do have a horse in the race, but even and I'm going to say this now, but I want to make it. I want to be at the Super Bowl. I want to see the Niners lift it. But if we don't happen to get there, I can still enjoy the Super Bowl. You know, watching the Green Bay Packers against either the Chiefs or the Titans is going to be a good game. Watching the Niners against either the Chiefs or the Titans is going to be a good game. There's no combination here where I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be an absolute doing for anybody because the Titans have shown that they can do it. The the Chiefs are absolutely thrilling to watch. And then we know that both the Niners and the Packers on their day can beat anybody. So it, it's it's absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I cannot wait for it. Uh, long way to go, though. Championship weekend to come up. But I reckon we go to Twitter now and start looking at some of these weekly awards. Let's do that. Right. So, as ever, we ask you to send forth your suggestions for our three weekly nominations. The Belter, the Baufin, and the Bobag. We had to explain to somebody uh, on social media who didn't know what these mean. Belter means something that's great or amazing. Baufin is something that's unsightly or horrible. And Bobag is a jerk or an asshole. Or Antonio Brown. Um, but anyway, right, we'll move on from that. So Chris Breen starts us off early. Belter, Mahomes and Kelsey, Baufin, Bill O'Brien, Bobag, Bill O'Brien. Interesting to see that he's suggesting that there's not going to be a GM brought into the Texans, so he's obviously doing both jobs going forward. Interesting one. Yeah. Um, Belter is Mahomes. Sorry, this is Lorne Callahan. Belter, his is Mahomes throwing touchdowns like Paul Mitchell buying drinks and NFL night. Hashtag what? next one's on Mitchell. This is going to be an expensive weekend for you. Not um, bloody chance. Bowfin is the <laughs> Bowfin is the Texans' defense, which you highlighted on absolutely. Uh, Barbag, <laughs> he comes up again, but this is ridiculous. Antonio Brown, uh, Antonio Brown, sorry, throwing a bag of dicks at his baby mama. Guess he would have thrown the ball bag as well if he had one. And I don't know if you've seen this, but um, Antonio Brown has now tweeted a picture of a bag of jelly dicks um, to ESPN. To show them that. So uh, <sighs> the guy's got issues. He's, he's legitimately just got issues. Um, 
Matt McLaughlin, belter for him is Devontae Adams. Now, one thing that we didn't touch on about Devontae Adams, that's the most receiving yards by a Green Bay wide receiver in a playoff game in the Super Bowl era. That's quite a stat. Um, his Bowfin is the Ravens, and Bobag for him is Bill O'Brien for the fake punt. On to Polly, who we know is joining us. Actually, Lauren Callahan's joining us as well on Sunday, but Polly will be joining us. His belter is Mahomes and Henry, although if the rumours are true that ESPN are planning to offer Tony Romo a big deal, then that's worthy of its own belter. Uh, Romo would be great on ESPN Monday Night Football, but I'd, I'd miss him from Sunday night, to be honest. Uh, Bowfin for him is Bobag D. Sorry. Jeez, I can't read tonight. Bowfin is the Texans D. Ugh. His ball bag is, it's either the person at Arrowhead who didn't order enough fireworks, which we've touched on, or Eric Fisher for not paying for those beers after scoring a touchdown. Don't know if you saw that, but um, that Eric... Was that, was that was utterly brilliant. Grabbing the beers and pouring them over himself like a Stone Cold Steve Austin celebration. The only thing is uh, George Kittle's got the rights to that, so leave it alone, please, Eric. Um, and a playwright... Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> Or I'll need to finish this since I've just read it. Or Fisher, for not paying for those beers after scoring a touchdown. A play right out of Paul Mitchell's playbook. <laughs> Hashtag next one's on Mitchell. I think that the the guys are rounding on you. Uh, no pun intended on that one. Uh, I'll tell you what. I will buy everybody <laughs> the same amount of beer that I will be drinking on Sunday night. Yeah, Paul, uh, Paul's bringing his car. Right, uh, maybe next, his belter got to be Derek Henry again, another standout performance. Absolutely brilliant. The Chiefs going to find a way to stop him if they've got any chance. Bowfin is the Vikings offense. Absolutely terrible outside of 141-yard play, as we touched on the least amount in Super Bowl era for a playoff game. Bobag Earl Thomas. We won't be afraid to tackle Henry that is stiff-armed into Henry's lead blocker, uh, which was a brilliant move as well. When when Henry double stiff-armed him, it was like, oh, geez, how'd you come back from that? Uh, Stuart Taylor, belter for him is Sorensen with a special team play. Bowfin is Bill O'Brien backing out fourth and one. Go for the jugular. Yep. Bobag for him is Mahomes. Uh, ridiculously good, but I have to keep up my rational hatred. For anyone that listens to us regularly, we talked about players that you don't like, and Stuart had said he'd had this irrational dislike of Mahomes. He can't even explain it. He just feels like he'd be a bad guy to have in the locker room. I don't know, Stuart. I think your argument's starting to look a little bit wafer thin when he rocks up with five touchdowns and a 134 passer rating. But hey, do you know what? Who am I to tell you to how to think? I wouldn't dare of doing such a thing. Derek, he gets a touch. His belter has to be Mahomes. Bowfin is a Texans D. Bobag is a replay official at Lambeau Field that we touched on. Um, and then Chaz is the last one. He gets a touch to say belter. Has to be Patrick Mahomes for the comeback. Bowfin has to be Bill O'Brien for the fake punt. And Bobag is Harbaugh for allowing Lamar to throw the ball 59 times. Ah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes and the Texas D are the, are the two obvious ones, without a doubt. The ball bag, yeah. I mean, there's there's several candidates, as there are always uh, several candidates, but I think the ball bag, to be honest, is the guy who allowed his two beers at probably 12 bucks each to be stolen by a player. <laughs> I think that's a fair one. Uh, Belter for me has. To, uh, do you know what? I'm going to give it to Travis Kelsey. I think that Travis Kelsey gets Belter because of what he did and the fact that he was injured. He went away and he came back and then still played like an absolute monster. Um, Travis Kelsey's my uh, Belter of the week. 
Baufin is the Vikings' offense. They were really disappointing. I thought the Niners had them absolutely stuffed. Um, and then Bobag for me. I, do you know what? I'm going to give it to Bill O'Brien. I just think, yeah, it was a shambles. The plays that he... A point where the Chiefs were clearly coming back. Momentum was heavily in their favor. He could have done something to prevent that. But what he did was he played right into their hands with both almost. Uh, and ultimately, I feel like it's just, ugh, come on, man, go for it. I think that he's had a hard time. He's turned things around at the Texans, take this one playoff performance out of it and a few funny ones during the season. They've definitely got better. They, they were a real threat. I thought that Mahomes, uh, Mahomes Watson had a good season. I think there's enough to be positive about in Houston to not be worrying about it too much. But yeah, he still gets my ball back of the week nomination. There you go. <laughs> it's great fun, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Just Right, on to Championship Sunday. What have you got? Well, I mean, the Packers-San Francisco is just going to be a one-sided game. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You've got 18th best offense against the 4th. The 18th best defense against the second, the 17th passing is the 13th, and the 15th rushing against the second. And it's the 49ers who are up out of all those categories. Now, this is where statistics could be misleading. Because if you were to look at that and say, pick a team, you'd go, yeah, 49ers. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer yeah. in terms of where these things are. I mean, only in rushing. I mean, they're not in the top 10 of anything, the Packers. Yet, they're 13-3. and three. They've got a quarterback who's won it before. <laughs> that makes it a hard game to call. You know, I mean, the 49ers, as I say, second in defense, fourth in offense. How could you actually bet against that? But you will, because you'll be betting against your team. So, I, I will be. But um, there's no way you're discounting the Green Bay Packers. No, not at all. You, you just can't. can't. You can't because of who they've got under centre. And what we've got, if the 49ers have got a chance, what they need to do is with the with the Vikings, if you stop the run game, then you're forcing Kirk Cousins to throw the ball. If you stop the run game with the Packers, you force Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball. That's not necessarily any better. They are a dual threat through the air or on the ground, so they are dangerous. They have a pass rush that is impressive, and they got to Russell Wilson. There was not much of a run game other than through Russell himself um, at Lambeau Field. So those things are not brilliant. The Niners, if they're going to win, are going to have to be on top form on offense. Uh, Fine, you know, the, the two sides met during the season, and it was a blowout, and it really was a blowout. But, you know, within that game as well, there's some margins within it where actually if the Packers had converted a couple of things, it wouldn't have been as much of a blowout as it looked. Sometimes as well, I think the blowout during the season only does to give the Packers an extra edge because they've got something to prove and they've got something, they've got the chip on their shoulder from that. I wouldn't ever discount them because they're a quality team. The The Niners have proven themselves capable of winning this game. Absolutely, they can. We know they can. But it just, it matters. And the whole phrase, any given Sunday, um, it will be whoever turns up and plays the best football. It will be who manages to get their defense to get to the other quarterback the most. If the San Francisco 49ers can get to Aaron Rodgers and rattle him, the Niners should be able to win this game as long as they're good on offense. 
you could end up in a situation where actually the defense does its job, but if the offense doesn't turn up for the Niners and they can't get things going, then the Packers can still beat you. So, you know, there, there's a lot of moving parts here, and the stats don't count for anything at this point. You know, it's all out the window. It doesn't matter what's come before. It matters what happens when you step out onto that field. Home field advantage is big. If this had been at Lambeau, I would be very concerned. Um, I would be much more negative than I am, and I'm still negative. But I think that they, you know, you just can't discount Aaron Rodgers. They are a very capable team. Uh, and if he's on form, they can beat anybody. Absolutely. Now, the other game, which which I think is quite interesting as well, there's no great standouts in, in many ways in terms of, of the numbers. I mean, the Chiefs aren't in the top six of anything. They're fifth in passing. Uh, the Titans are third in rushing, but it's the number 21 defence against the 17th. Uh, the 12th ranked offence against the 6th ranked offence. So again, you know, the Titans finished 9-7, and seven, the Chiefs finished 12-4. and four. Again, it looks like it should be a fairly straightforward business as usual. But given the fact of who the Titans, the three teams they've just beaten, they are coming in absolutely red hot, on fire. And I mentioned in the podcast last week, you know, would Tennessee go and think, well, you know, we won last week, that'll be okay. We've done our job against the Patriots. But no, they continued and they were absolutely terrific. Whereas the Vikings, you know, having beaten the Saints, didn't really turn up against the 49ers. But how about this? Because we know anything can happen and you can make anything up. What if Tannehill and Mahomes both get hurt in the game? Well. Now, the reason I say that is because I think that then sets up a fascinating Marcus Mariota against Matt Moore. Now, it's highly unlikely to happen, but the point I'm trying to make, Cameron, is they've got competent people behind them. So if Mahomes goes out, it's not a complete and utter disaster because Matt Moore actually showed he can do okay. And it's the same if Tannehill goes out because I often think games like this, the big games you want to watch, if somebody gets knocked out, like Carson Wentz got knocked out you know, the game and Josh McCowan came in. Now, Josh McCowan wasn't really going to scare anybody. Whereas Marcus Mariota could be the ultimate redemption for him or Matt Moore, who's actually quite competent. Um, Even if Mahomes gets knocked out, what about Matt Moore against Ryan Tannehill? That'd be quite funny as well. I think funny, definitely. Um, We are trying to encourage people to join us, though, on Sunday. So let's not not focus too much in on this. Um, She's finished a couple of weeks ago, I keep telling you. Yeah, indeed. Um, But if we talked about there the fact that the Packers and the, the, the Niners have met, well, the Titans and the Chiefs have met during the regular season. They met in November, and the Titans yeah. beat the Chiefs 35-32. You know, yeah. and that's what they need to do if they're going to beat the Chiefs. It is not going to be about defense because the defense is going to do more than the Texans did. Um, but what's good? I mean, the last time that they met. Pat Mahomes threw for 446 yards and three touchdowns. No interceptions against the Titans, but the Titans managed to win. Ryan Tannehill had 181 yards and two touchdowns, but once again, it was Derrick Henry, 188 yards and two touchdowns. So here's the thing that you need to do. If you're the Chiefs, what do you need to do? You need to outscore the Titans. You need to stop 
Derrick Henry. If you're the Titans, you just need to score as many points as you can. Uh, that's ridiculous. That feels like a Booger McFarlane type quote. But the, the, the focus of the game has got to be on offense here. Defense, you're going to have to try and create some opportunities. But every time we get the ball, we've got to turn it into points. We've got to find a way to grind this Chiefs defense down. Now, they've had a little bit of an upgrade recently. Suggs coming in, uh, and he's doing particularly well. Uh, I thought he was quite an important factor uh, in in the win against the Texans. So it's it's not a a, a useless Chiefs defense, but it's definitely not their strong point. The focus is very much on um, the attack. So the yeah. way to beat them is you need to outscore them, uh, but you need to set up to outscore them. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do come out and do that. I think it's going to be a fascinating game. Absolutely, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that on Sunday at the Golf Tavern. If you can join us in Edinburgh for that, look at our Twitter account, Facebook. You get all the details. We'll tell you a little bit more later on as well. But I think we've got two great games to look forward to. And there's only one thing better than watching good games, Cameron, and that is actually watching good games with a whole roomful of NFL fans, and that's what we'll be doing. Yes, it was quite something last year. Um, obviously, you won't have fond memories of the outcome, but actually, the the whole the whole event was brilliant. Having the pub filled with people, uh, the golf put on really good food as well, uh, which is superb. You know, there's a menu there you can buy from with wings and things like that. The wings are tremendous. Eat a burger and a pint, and just sit and watch the football. We've sold a good amount of tickets, but there are still tickets available. You can find out information on Facebook and on Twitter. Do come along. We've got Ryan Cullen from the Clear and Oblivion podcast um check those guys out uh they're very funny they're very edgy i've really enjoyed listening to them uh ryan knows his stuff which is great we look forward to having him along and uh, and getting his take on the whole thing uh, we're going to look back at the season we're going to look back at the divisional games we're going to look forward to championship sunday i think clearly myself and charles will will face off uh towards the end of the event with our Packers, 49ers face-off. I'll bring my best game to that one. I promise no negativity. I'm coming in strong uh, on that one. So come along and see that. Loads of prizes as well as ever to give away. And delighted to have a prize from my touchdown box that will be given away to somebody on the night as well. So uh, that, amongst other things, we always do our last man standing. Loads and loads and loads going on. Yeah, our last man standing, we've we've rebranded it Pick 6, just because Jameis Winston's sponsoring it for us. So um, <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to... And I've, I've, I've got my notebook in front of me. Now, you, you might dispute this, but uh, just with the various bets and side bets that we've had this year, you owe me three portions of chicken wings. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that on, on Sunday. Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, you do. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Good no. luck eating them all. If I'm buying them, you better finish every last one of them. No no doggy bags. I'll starve myself all weekend if I'm getting three portions of chicken wings out of you. Right, right. before we wrap up then, we have to touch on the college championship final. Uh, we're going to pick our winner of our ESPN competition uh, to win a year subscription to ESPN Player, courtesy of the great people at ESPN Player. But, Paul, have you managed to see it, first of all? I actually listened to it right. last night because uh, I was in and out of sleep last night. Didn't sleep particularly well, but was aware that it was available. So I listened to it. Um, Sean McDonoghue, uh, great, great game on the radio. Did really well with it. Uh, we're LSU fans because we've been to see LSU. We've seen Burrow play. And I was delighted for the man with the deepest voice in sports coaching in Oregon, um, who's just amazing. Go Tigers. They won. It was a decent game. 
Um, I I still can't figure out why it's on so late, and I think a lot of people because it's quite a slow game as well. But LSU, I think, were the best team in the country this year, so I, I was really delighted for them. Yeah. No, I think they were. And you look at the numbers on the day as well. And Joe Burrow, who is going to the Cincinnati Bengals, you can pin that one right now. 463 yards, five touchdowns, 58 yards on the ground and a touchdown himself. Absolutely tremendous. Jamar Chase, 221 yards, two touchdowns. He's one to watch coming out of there as well. Um, And a player who I didn't even pick up was there. Had no idea. Thaddeus Moss. Hmm. Tight Randy's end, son. Randy's son, um, who managed to chip in with two touchdowns. Now, he is eligible to enter the draft this year. He missed a year because he transferred, and then he was injured for a lot of the 2018 season. So he's really just come into on the back of this one. But there's nothing says, oh, come and get me, like a performance like that in the final. Apparently, as well, looking at this um, reports about him online, he's six foot three, which isn't massive for a tight end, but he's big built. He is a good blocker, so he is a, a three-down tight end rather than a sort of diva maybe like his dad um <laughs> but i didn't even know he existed so lots of talent coming out of lsu clearly there's a lot of talent at clemson as well trevor lawrence for him he didn't have a particularly bad night he, you know he wasn't intercepted at any point but they just couldn't get things going a couple of touchdowns on the ground including one from lawrence himself 49 yards he got uh, travis etienne was 78 and a touchdown um it just didn't work out for them it was a tremendous second quarter for LSU and the battle of the Tigers uh, and ultimately came away 42-25 winners. So congratulations to LSU. I feel an affinity to them because we went and saw them. Uh, I yes. think that makes it more special. Clearly uh, something lucky happened at that point. And Clemson were one on one hell of a winning streak. They hadn't lost in like 3,000 days. No, it wasn't as much as that. But, but it was a substantial amount of days since they'd lost a game. Uh, and that you know they came into that confident but LSU carried that form as you said throughout the season and did what they needed to do so that leaves us to do one thing and that is to name the winner of our ESPN player competition which we drew just before we came on air and we're absolutely delighted to say that correctly predicting the LSU Tigers correctly retweeting us and more correctly following us goes to Stu, the Kilted Cardinal, and he was selected from all the names. There was well over 100 people, I think. Um, so, at Cardinal Kilted. So, Stu, the Kilted Cardinal, congratulations. You have won one year's worth of ESPN Player, courtesy of ESPN Player, who are now a sponsor of the show. They'll be sponsoring us as we discuss the draft and some of the players coming out of it and the xfl because the a the, because the espn player is the only place in the uk that you can see every single xfl game as it comes and it's the only place that you can delve into their deep history of content and review and judge and scout all of the talent coming out of the ncaa coming in to the 2020 draft which uh we've not got the super bowl at the way but i'm already excited about the draft Yeah, I think it's tremendous. Congratulations to our winner. And if you've not been lucky this time, go on and check out the ESPN player. You may even wish to take out your own subscription. It does look absolutely awesome. A couple of side notes before we wrap up before our big event on Sunday. How good was it to see Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson be surprised on their programs uh, for the Hall of Fame? It was was brilliant. Yeah, really nice touch. 
Um, Amazon have announced they're all or nothing. It will be the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's a spoiler alert coming from me. It's nothing. It's the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, you, you know, Stephen will kill me for that one. And just final, you you touched on it already. Romo to ESPN now. Tony Romo's contract with CBS expires uh, at the end of this season, so Sunday could be his last appearance. On ESPN, however, on uh, CBS, CBS yeah. however, CBS do have in his contract that they are allowed to match any offer financially. So whether he will be taken away or not, I've said before, I and Eagle and Dan Fouts would be a safe pair of hands for them to go and get. I would still do that. Also whispers, and you get it at this time of year, that Drew Brees is being checked out. Does he want to go straight from the field into the booth? We we hear this quite a lot with quarterbacks or some you know a big player that's coming to the the end of their career. I'm not convinced that will happen, but you know CBS have found one Tony Romo. Who's to say that they can't find another? I think what everybody's agreed on is that uh, we've had enough of Booger, and it's Booger bye bye. Booger bye bye. Speaking of bye bye, something that's broken as we've been recording this podcast. So this will give a little spoiler as to what time of night we did this. Uh, Antonio Gates has retired. So Antonio Gates has announced that he's retiring. Uh, Field Yates has tweeted out, so credit to Field Yates, 116 receiving touchdowns, most ever by a tight end, 955 receptions, which is the 17th most all-time, 11,841 receiving yards, which is 29th most all-time, eight Pro Bowl selections, five-time All-Pro, one of the best red zone receivers ever, Congratulations to a legend, Antonio Gates, retiring. Uh, we'll see you in the Hall of Fame, sir. It's a cracker, isn't it? Well, well played to him. He was some player. Yep. Will be a loss to the league. Um, a few people saying, I thought you retired four years ago. But no, he's still been playing. He's still been doing it. So how how cruel to Antonio. A great player. Absolutely brilliant. One of the best at his position. Um, so there you go. Right. I think that's the full-time whistle then for episode 84. Um, and thank you to everybody for listening. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter on at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. We continue to grow all the time. We need your help to keep doing that. I know we keep asking, but it's the only way we're going to get the message out there. Please retweet. Please share. Please keep doing so. And if you've got time, leave us a review on iTunes. And just remember, I'm the good looking one. We hope you can come along and join us on Sunday at the Golf Tavern. I'm not even acknowledging no, you're that. Not, you're not. It's always a fun night. It is always a fun night. It's a really good atmosphere. We love getting a pub full of NFL fans together, and we really look forward to doing it again this time. And remember, hashtag next one's on Mitchell. And remember, I'll be winding Cameron up as much as I possibly can <laughs> as his 49ers go to bat. Question's going to be on Sunday night. Will I be wearing the shirt of another team or will I be wearing a Saints shirt? That is to be decided. I've not made my mind up yet. Remember to keep voting every day to help us determine Scotland's team of the decade. We'll be looking at that again in the close season. We'll be back next week to discuss all the headlines from our live event. Do join us at the Golf Tavern in Edinburgh on Sunday for Championship Sunday if you can. If you can't, not a problem. Enjoy the football. Until then, bye for now.